Okay, so I'm here with James Hunter. He is, uh, I use his material in my class. That's how highly I think of this material. Um, and uh, he graciously was willing to come onto the show and talk about how he understands leadership and particularly servant leadership. James or Jim, welcome to the show. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants. One management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Thank you, Darren. Great to be, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So people who listen to this podcast or my class is also going to be watching this, but anybody involved here is going to be interested in the topic of leadership. They're professionals. They want to learn. They want to grow. Um, but for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, let's see. I've been in the people business since about 19. Let's see. Graduated college in 79 in Detroit, started working for a large uh aluminum factory and we I was the human resource person they called them personnel managers back then mm-hmm. did that for a few years and then went off into consulting and did labor relations um, <clears throat> mostly dealing with organizations going through troubled times uh, strikes union drives sabotage turnover absenteeism low commitment low morale pick your symptom the kids are acting out and our job was to be company doctor and go in and uh, diagnose what's going on and prescribe a cure. Mm-hmm. Well, after a few years of that, it just dawned on me. <clears throat> I was focusing on the symptoms and not the problem. The problem was always leadership. So I took a, took a hard turn and decided I got to focus on leadership. And so uh, I started teaching it uh, in the early 90s and wrote a book then. My first one was Servant in uh, 1997. And <clears throat> Much to my surprise, the book really got some traction, and my life changed. And <laughs> I've been doing uh, servant leadership training and development uh, around the world ever since. That was my first exposure to you as well. Was the servant, and I read it. I was like, "Yeah, hey, he's he's coming from the right place." And then it was only years later that I stumbled on the servant leadership training course, and we'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but before we get I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we get to that, um, I ask this of most guests. How do you define leadership? Yeah, great question, Darren. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't start there, right? And I, mm-hmm. if you read the sermon or any of my books, you know I like to define my terms because people, we talk about a lot of things and we're not always talking about the same thing. So I like to be very specific about what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about leadership, I'm certainly not talking about management. Uh, management's what you do, planning, budgeting, problem solving, organizing, reading balance sheets, uh, learning. We can send you to class and teach you all that stuff. Management's what you do. Leadership's all about who you are. Uh, Can you inspire and influence a group? Can you get people to dig deep? Can you get the orchestra to play music, right, to create excellence? You don't have to know how to play the tuba. You don't have to know how to play the French horn, but you know how to, you know how people are wired and you know how to build relationships and you know how to, um, you know how to inspire and influence people to excellence. And so that would be my definition, Darren, inspiring and influencing people to excellence. 
With character. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking there's so many people that confuse leadership and management. Can you explain what happens when they do, when they try to lead by managing? Gosh, I meet great managers every week of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the smartest person in the room. They can plan and budget and read balance sheets, and they can't lead two people to the drinking fountain that their life depended on. <laughs> you know, in fact, in fact, a lot of times uh, being the smartest person in the room can hold you back because I tend to find those people being pretty arrogant and puffed up, and uh, people don't really want to be around them too much. Uh, no, no, no. Leadership's about humility, right? It's about it's about being authentic. It's about serving people, identifying and meeting needs. That's what gives you the right, right? To have somebody pay attention. Once you've, once I trust you, once I know you're committed to excellence, once I know you care about me, well, now you've got my attention, Darren. I'm listening now. What is it you need? But so many people think they lead with their position or they, they think being a good manager gives them the right. Uh, again, I've known a lot of great managers who are horrible leaders. And I know some great leaders who are not very good managers. That's right. They're nowhere near the smartest person in the room. They surround themselves with a lot of people who are really good at what they do, but their team would walk through a wall for them. So so they don't have to be because they have that facility with people. They don't have to have every piece of the puzzle. And I think a lot of leaders or managers or whatever they, you know, are positionally by their role, get off track, trying to do everything. You don't have to. That's, that's the beauty of this. No, no, no. What you need to do is create a culture, create an environment where people can thrive, a place that's safe, a place where I'm honored, a place where I'm respected a place where I'm held accountable to behave well, right? That there's rules of the house, right? Do the right thing. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated, right? Um, so somebody who creates a call, an environment like that where people can thrive. yeah. And uh, people will walk through a wall for a leader like that. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, so we were talking about leadership and you mentioned servant as an attribute. And I know that you're... Uh, everything that you're teaching is servant leadership. Can you unpack the difference between just plain generic leadership and servant leadership some? Yeah. So whenever people say, what is servant leadership? I like to divide it up. You know, what is leadership? What is servant? So we've already done the leadership. Can you inspire and influence people to excellence? Can you get people from the neck up? Can you get hearts and minds and spirit and creativity and excellence? Right. Management, you know, you can get people from the neck down, people, hands and legs and back, and the market will tell you how much you got to pay for it. But true leadership is getting not compliance, getting commitment, right? Discretionary effort, getting people to walk through walls, right? That's that's leadership of excellence. So what gives you the right to get that from people? Why are people going to be willing to do that? Well, that's where the servant part comes in, right? What gives me the right is if I'm all about what you need, Darren, right? Serving you, identifying and meeting your needs, not your wants. I'm not here to be your slave. I'm not here to do what you want. I am here to get you what you need. What do you need? Well, you've got a lot of needs, legitimate needs, right? Respect and honesty and commitment and appreciation. You need to be valued. You need to know the rules of the house. You got a lot of needs, right? So a lot of people get mistaken. They think servant leadership's about being soft. Oh man, I tell you, some of the great leaders I know, and I've met some great ones in the last decades. They're pit bulls, man. They 
they hug hard and they spank hard. <laughs> I mean, they could, they hug hard and they coach hard. I mean, they really get the great servant leaders really get <clears throat> two things. One, they love people. They honor people. And I'm not talking how they feel about them. They extend themselves for people. That's what love is extending yourself, regardless of how you feel today. Right. They extend themselves. They love on people. So when it's time to honor people, reward people, recognize people, have a party, company picnic, man, they're first in line. Let's party. They love people. But, man, when it's time to give the spank, when it's time to do the coaching, hey, Darren, here's our standard. Here's your performance. We got a gap, dude. We don't close this up. You're not going to get to play. Yeah. And if, I have, if I have to discipline you or fire you, I, I will feel like I've let you down. My job as your leader is to help you right. win. The test of my leadership is do you leave me better than when you arrive? So I feel like I'm failing you, Darren. So we're going to be talking about this gap every day. I need to get you above the rim. And so we're going to be talking about this gap a lot, right? And it might not be what you want, but it's probably what you need. That's right. So the great ones, Darren, man, they, they're all about people. They hug hard, and, man, they coach hard. They coach really hard, and their teams love them for it. Right. So as you were talking, it made me think it's very easy for a manager to fall into objectifying his people to use them rather than to develop them. Leaders have to have to spend time if they're thinking about leadership, spend time thinking about developing. But as you were talking about servant leaders trying to go that extra, it takes a lot to get really involved and know your people and really not just see them as an accountant or as a office worker or a researcher or whatever it is, but to see that whole person and care about that whole person in order to develop them into where they need to go. And that might not be still with you. That might be developing them and releasing them and, and blessing them as they go on their way. And that's a hard thing to do. That's, I think, a lot harder than to simply objectify, use, and spit out and get a new one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they call servant leadership or this this being empathic and building related. They call those the soft skills, right? Yeah. Let me tell you stuff. This is the hard stuff. Building your character, doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. I mean, what's harder to do? Teach you how to empathize and build a relationship or, 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 or teach you how to do asset management or give somebody an order. That doesn't take any effort at all, right? Do it or else, Darren. Yep. Right? But to build a relationship with you, wow, that takes time. That takes effort. That yeah. takes frustration. That takes, that takes a lot of, that takes a real extension of myself to meet your needs as a human being. Yep, it sure does. Okay, so I want to talk about how I got here. So I read the servant, like I said, a number of years ago, then I found the servant leadership training course. And I was looking for something to something better than what I had in place. And I, I remember listening to it, I was at my son's soccer game, and I'm walking around the field as, as he's practicing, listening to it, I'm like, this is it, this is it. And, and I got all excited, because there was just so many pieces. And I want to go over a couple of the major themes here and just let you expand on them. Um, so like one of them was, and you've said this at least three times since we started talking, leadership's about character. Servant leadership is about character. And there's such a heavy emphasis on character. Why, why such a heavy emphasis on character? Well, first, like I said before, we got to define our terms. We talk about character. I'm not talking about your personality. My wife's a psychologist. She could give you a 15 minute test and tell you what your personality is. 
mm-hmm. pretty well fixed by age six. You know, you, you don't go and uh, you don't, but you don't move from a type A to a type B personality by going to a seminar, right? IQ pretty well fixed by age 15, but not your character. Character is your moral maturity, right? Your willingness to do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. Especially when you don't feel like it. I'm not sure it can be an act of character unless it costs you something. So character is that moral muscle, the most important skill you'll ever develop in your life. It's that winning the battle between what you want to do and what you should do. Leadership is about doing the right thing, right? It's the right thing to do to have patience and self-control. It's the right thing to do to be kind. It's the right thing to do to listen and give appreciation, to be humble. Or do you prefer arrogant people and mean people, right? Right thing to do to have respect for other people. Right thing to do to be honest, tell people the truth. So if you don't tell people the truth, you don't hold people accountable and you're yeah. a supervisor, you're stealing every time you take a paycheck. That's not a that's not a management problem. That's a character problem. You're not a truth teller. Truth tellers tell people the truth. They talk about gaps, right? They don't pretend everything's okay when it's not. That's a character issue. Leadership, 99% of leadership failures are failures of character. It isn't competence. We we we, we people are very competent. I mean, who gets promoted, Darren? We yeah. take our best forklift driver, make him the supervisor. We take our best sales guy, make him the sales manager. Now we've lost our best forklift driver and we got a terrible leader. Mm-hmm. Just because you're competent and you can do the job well doesn't mean you can inspire other people to do the job well. That's a right. completely different skill, right? Yeah. Completely different skill. So leadership is all about your character. Do people trust you? So Are you a leader all- they feel confident following, right? Do they know you're committed? Do they know you care about them? Do they know you have their back, their best interests? Yeah, those are completely different questions than can you plan and read a balance sheet? That's right. Are you a good human being? That's character. Somebody that that, that I want my kid to marry. Somebody like that. How do you develop greater character? Or, I mean, so do you subscribe to an, you know, Aristotle says, just keep doing it. Just the more you do this thing, you become that thing. Is that how you go about doing that? I mean, let's say you want to develop, you're early in your leadership career and you want to develop greater character. What what steps do you take? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a behavioralist for sure. We become what we repeatedly do, mm-hmm. right? What we focus attention to, that's what gets stronger. So if you're focusing on being a resentful, bitter person, guess what? There's going to come a point in time in life when nobody's going to want to be around you anymore. <laughs> and I know a lot of people where I've seen that play out. Yeah. You want to be a good human being, you got to start acting like one. It starts very young, Darren. I mean, if we're effective parents, what do we teach our kids? We teach our kids character, and it starts very young. Be patient, be kind, be a good listener, follow through, share, right? Don't hit your brother, stop hurting your grandma, <laughs> right? Do the right thing. It starts very, very young. It's a hopefully. And it's a long journey. It's, it's, it's the most important skill you will develop in your life. Again, that's the second time I'll say it, is your character. It's a muscle. And it's either getting stronger or it's getting weaker. Yeah. It doesn't just stay the same. Nothing living stays the same. I mean, we all learned this in science class, the second law of thermodynamics. I mean, the world is in a state of entropy. you got to throw logs on a fire just to keep up, right? People say, well, I'm the same as I was a year ago. No. Green and growing or ripe and rotting. 
Pick one. Nothing living stays the same. So you want to be a strong leader. You got to be, you got to get in the gym, man. You got to lift those character weights every single day. What does that mean? Well, that means being patient when you don't feel patient, Mm. being kind when you're not feeling particularly kind today, listening when you don't have time, having that crucial conversation with your employee that you should have had two years ago, (laughs) having that conversation. Oh, that's going to be hard. They're going to be mad. Yeah. That's the gym, right? Doing the right thing, even when it costs you something. Then the next time you do it, it's still going to be hard, but it's going to be a little easier, right? You got to get in the pool, right? Leadership is a skill. It's a learned, acquired ability. It doesn't, isn't something you do intellectually. Nobody ever became a better leader reading one of my books, Darren. In fact, after I wrote The Servant, the, the, the most common response I got, I still get it to this day. Emails, Jim, nice book, nice principles. Hey, man, this is apple pie in the flag. Who disagrees with this stuff? (laughs) But here's the problem. I got 10 crazy supervisors in my building. I told them to read your book. They liked your book, but they're still crazy. (laughs) How do you help people to get it from here to here, head to heart, and heart to habit? How do we help people get it into their games? Well, we got to practice like any skill. Yeah. You got to get in the gym. And the gym of life is coming at you all day long, every day. You've made dozens of character choices today, Darren. Mm-hmm. Today. Am I going to be patient or impatient, kind or unkind, arrogant or humble, respectful or disrespectful? You're going to be selfless or selfish today. You're going to be honest and tell people the truth about gaps, or are you going to take a pass today? Are you committed or are you just involved? Are you just showing up, taking a paycheck? Or are you serious about leadership and helping people grow? These are choices. That's the that's 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 how we build character. We have to practice. So we got to get people in the gym. You want to be a better leader? You don't listen to another PowerPoint deck, <laughs> read another book. I mean, that's helpful. I mean, just like going to swimming class. But if you never get in the pool, man, it's a complete waste of time. Right. Complete waste of time. You had a great line in the uh, servant leadership training course where you were talking about how leadership is about getting over your twos. Can you expand on that concept just a bit? Yeah, growing up, right? What's the difference between a really bad boss, arrogant, bad boss, and a petulant child? You know, the kid's going to grow up someday. (laughs) God willing, right? I mean... That's what life is about, getting over your twos, man. It's not about you anymore. And when you sign up to be the leader, people are now entrusted to your care. When you sign up to be a parent, you have a kid, I'm stuck with you for the rest of my life. You're it. If you're my boss, Darren, I spend half my waking hours at work. That's right. More waking hours with you than with my family. Is that a big responsibility? Sure. So how you behave really matters. And if you're going to behave like a petulant child, I mean, having a boss hole to report Mm -hmm. to every day, that's the definition of torture. Yeah. That is the definition of torture. Are you kidding me? Having a bad parent? So, I mean, the stakes are so high. So, you got to get your eye on the ball, and the ball ain't you. (laughs) The great servant leaders I know, they don't lay awake at night wondering when they're going to get a raise or when I'm going to get a corner office, they're not focused on me. 
They got their eye on the ball. The ball is your, <laughs> the people entrusted to your care, right? Other focused. It's the definition of humility to be other focused. It's right. not and thinking. Of, it's not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking about yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself, like C.S. Lewis said. It's thinking about yourself less. Other focused. Well, that's not how two-year-olds think. That's not. So we got to grow up. We got to get other focused. That takes practice. And now you're leading me to my next question, which was about Jesus and leadership. And you were talking about how, like. Look, as I was researching, just being honest, this is what it led me to. And you were talking about the difference between power and authority. And uh, he didn't have power, but he had authority. You had this great line. My mother has no power over me, but she has a great deal of authority. Tell me about um, how you got to this with thinking about Jesus and leadership and then unpacking uh, power and authority, which, by the way, this power and authority concept is the single thing that my students latch on to most of everything that you talk about in a servant leadership training course. Well, I'm glad they I'm glad that's the case, because it's the most important piece. If you don't get the distinction between power and authority, I think you really miss servant leadership. The first time I heard about servant leadership, I mean, 40 years ago, I thought the idea was pretty ridiculous, to be honest with you. What, what do you mean, serve? I'm the boss now. You're supposed to be responsive to me. I, I've been in the bowels of the ship kissing all these supervisors' rear ends for the last 20 years. I finally get to be a supervisor, and you're telling me i got to serve again? What? I'm the head of the house. I'm going to call the shots now, right? And that, what do you mean, serve? In the military, serve people? Are you kidding me? And I did, and the reason is, is I did not understand the difference between power and authority. Once I understood that difference, it became clear. Crystal, what's power? Power is do it or else, right? Or I make you do it. My ability to force or coerce you because of my position or my might, I can make you do my will. That's a way to get compliance, not a way to get excellence, not a way to get commitment. I'll do it because I have to do it. Till I can get away from you, you toxic human being, you. No, what's authority? Authority is, you know, look at the root of the word, author. If you're my boss at work, Darren, you would have no power over me if the company didn't give it to you. The power doesn't reside in you. It resides in the company, right? It resides in the organization. Same right. with the police. Same with Authority is what resides within you. you. Something that you have authored. Something that you have created. And I gave the example of my mother. My 90-year-old mother has no power over me. <laughs> I can run faster than her. But she's got a lot of authority, right? I'd do anything for my mom. Where'd she get that authority from? Reading books and watching PowerPoint slides? No. Mom served. Right? Jesus. Right? Who's had more influence than that guy? Right? 2.3 billion Christians. <laughs> Far and away the largest faith system on planet Earth. The next largest Islam is half its size. For the last 2,000 years, nobody's influenced the planet like that. Not even close. That guy had a lot of influence. What well, dawned on me, what was it about this guy? Well, he had a lot of authority. He had a lot of influence. He may have had some power, too, but he chose not to use it. <laughs> Maybe next time he's going to use it, we better be careful. But that time he came with his, the first time he came with his authority. And, man, when he served and sacrificed, he got a lot of people's attention, right? So authority is the skill of getting people to willingly do your will because of who you are. Right? And Jesus isn't the only example. There's many in history. Uh, 
Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King, people who served and sacrificed and got people's service and sacrifice gets people's attention. Yeah. You know, you go to the wall for me, Darren, I'm listening now. You're, you're anticipating my next question. And that was about leadership and sacrifice. That's a big piece of what you said. Now, the authority and power is what stuck most to my students. What stuck out most to me was sacrifice. I don't like it, <laughs> but I believe that that is core to whether you're going to be successful or not. Are you willing to sacrifice? Can you expand? Yeah. Well, you know, if leadership is built upon authority and, you know, true authority, where does authority, where does authority come from? Well, you've got to earn it. Well, how do you earn it? Well, you got to serve and you got to sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. There's a price, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus paid a pretty big price, right? I mean, people who serve and sacrifice pay prices, right? Extending myself for somebody I don't like very much is not easy. Appreciating somebody I want to strangle takes a lot of effort. <laughs> Having a crucial conversation with an employee today, and he may not want to have a beer with me after work. He may be mad at me forever. I may lose a friend, right? It's, it may cost me something. Are you willing? What's more important, right? The relationship? I mean. If you really cared about people, you'd tell them the truth, right? I mean, <clears throat> if my child or my employee or anyone else that I'm leading, I mean, if I'm not honest with them, they're either green and growing or ripe and ripe. It's like they're going to be worse when they leave than when they got there. The test of leadership is always, do people raise their game under your leadership? When your children leave their home, are they ready? Are they going to be good, effective human beings as well? Good husbands, good wives, good citizens, good employees, you know, good, good dads, good moms, right? When your employees leave your department, do they tend to get promoted, right? Do people raise their game under your influence, right? So it, to get involved with people's lives takes sacrifice. It takes service. It takes time to build a relationship, right? So if you work for me, Darren, and I'm going to meet your needs, it's going to take some time. We're going to take laps together. I'm going to come to your cubicle and I'm going to say, Darren, grab a coffee. Let's go for a lap. What's going good for you? What's not going good? What frustrates you in this department? What could I do better as your leader? What needs do you have that aren't being met? Tell me about your sick kid. Yeah. Have you recovered from your divorce from last year? Right? That took 15 minutes to do that lap. Well, now we're starting to build something. You know, the first lap, the second lap, maybe the tenth lap. You don't get, you don't say a whole lot, but but, but by the by the twelfth lap, you know, you really want to know. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to build something, right? Yeah. Sheen and Sheen uh, wrote a book, Humble Leadership, where you're starting to see, you're seeing people not just as professional uh, workers, but you see them, and this this dovetails nicely with m most of the servant leadership literature. Um, but you see them as whole people. You, you said that earlier, like, how's your sick kid? Like, un unless you care about people to that degree, I, I don't think that you're going to be effective. And you can you can be caring about what they do at work. But if it stops there, I, I think you undercut your position. Tell, tell me if I'm off base. No, no. If you don't care about people, start loving them. Start loving on them. Right. Start practicing. Pretend that you did. <laughs> Pretend like you're interested. Guess what happens? You start becoming interested. Yeah. It's a term. It's a term we call praxis in the field of sociology. The practice 
We always say when I feel like it, then I'll behave that way. Praxis, praxis takes it the other way around. Behave first, the feelings will follow, right? That's the concept of praxis. And so that's what I try to do. Get people in the gym. I don't care how you feel. I care how you behave, right? It's the right thing to do to build a relationship with your people. If you're not into that, then you shouldn't be a leader. You're in the wrong position. Go make another choice. If you're going to have people entrusted to your care, people are relational. That's how they're wired, right? And the business of business is people. Without people, there is no business. There is no mission. There is no department. It's all about people, and people are wired relationally. So if you're not into that, you're in the wrong seat on the bus. Go make another choice. Now, if you don't like people and you don't care and I really don't want to take a lap, do it anyway. That's what I do is I kick people into the pool. <laughs> because guess what happens? When you start behaving with love, you start feeling love. It's an amazing thing, yeah. right? I mean, think of the gospel. Jesus, we're commanded to love people. He never pauses to consider how you feel. I don't care how you feel. Do it. The feelings will follow. Trust me. Trust me now. Understand me later, right? That's an effect with the God, what Jesus is saying. I command you to love. Love isn't how you feel. Yeah. It's an extension of yourself. Go build that relationship, and it's going to cost you something. Yes, it will. It's going to cost you time, effort. You may be rejected. A lot of things, right? Relationships are risky. Do it anyway, and watch how your feelings change. It, it seems like, in, at least in an organizational context, you can't um, dismiss the relationship part. I mean, you, you said that all business is a series. All business is is a series of relationships. That's that's something that you said in the in the course. I I don't know that you can get around it and just stay at a distance. You might be able to do it politically. You know, Bill Clinton was bridging that gap, saying, "I feel your pain," and people, you know, believed him. Right? I mean, he he was he was bringing people closer. I don't know that at least organizationally you cannot engage in relationship in meaningful ways and be effective as a leader. I, yeah. I, I just don't know that that can be done. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be with people day in, day, you're going to be a parent or you're going to be a supervisor. You're going to be around people and be a leader. They're not watching. They're not listening to what you They watch what you do. That's right. You can say, I feel your pain. That's great, Darren, but I'm going to watch what you do. Right. If you cared about me, you would tell me the truth. Right. We would be having conversations about gaps. You would know about my sick kid. You would know about what frustrates me in this department. You would know about what my opinion is about you as a supervisor and how I think you could do better. We would have a relationship if you cared about me. So don't be telling me you you feel my pain and you care. I'm going to watch what you do, Darren. So why do so many people miss it? I mean, this is all, I mean, everything you said makes sense. Why do so many people do so wrong or so, I, I can't, I can't believe it's just ignorance or bad training of management. I mean, there's got to be something else that they're, how, how are they missing this? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. One is they know it. And one of the first things I say in all my seminars is I'm not going to tell you anything new today. All this stuff I write about and talk about for the last 40 years, I stole it all. I don't think there's an original bone in my body. I stole everything. This stuff's been around forever. Everything you need to know, you learn in kindergarten. I'm not here to instruct you. I'm here to remind you. You know what you learn in kindergarten. Be nice. Tell the truth. Don't hit. 
say please, say thank you, say I'm sorry, don't be a bully, forgive your brother, do the right thing, do the best you can do, treat people the way you'd want to be treated. I can't believe companies pay me to tell them this stuff, Darren. Okay, so I ran out of time in this episode, but if you go on to the next episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Jim Hunter. Thank you.